0: Guy3, thank you for joining us on Bruin One Ear and Out the Other.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So because this is a UCLA-themed podcast, one of the things we like to do is ask one of the questions that current applicants have to answer as part of the application. And as always, we think it serves as a great introduction for our listeners. And so the prompt we've chosen for you is, describe the most significant challenge you have faced and the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. How has this challenge affected your professional achievement?
1: Oh man, that's a good one. Whew, hit me with the college essay questions already. Oh, I did not know that I was was gonna have to take a quiz. All right, well, I would have to say, um, so far, the most significant challenge I've had to face is kind of um, learning to really look at things beyond my own personal bias. Um, One of the biggest things that I do in my day-to-day career is like take a lot of different, um, you know, stories and voices and cultures of so many different um, people. And it's really important to really check in with the kinds of um, biases that you have in approaching your learning about someone else and really approaching it from their point of view and their eyes to really bring out that perspective. Um, so the biggest thing I think for us has really been like this challenge of learning from you know the perspective of another when you're really trying to represent a voice um, authentically of, of someone. And I think that's that just goes that's just something that's so so helpful, especially in today. In this day and age, like just being able to really empathize with the people around you and understand where others are coming from to really help you build bridges and, um, you know, find common ground. And that has been something that you know, like I have found myself really having to look closely at some of my own um, percep- perceptions and beliefs about myself and, um, and the way I am, or even like things that I'm studying and retool everything to make myself more objective um, in the way that I approach learning. So, yeah.
0: Oh, I think that's a particularly poignant thing to say, especially in, in today's time. But kind of speaking a little bit about cultural biases, kind of, mm. and, and making sure to stay true to that, I would say culture probably, and in terms of at least music, has, has had a huge impact on your life. And so I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about kind of your experience growing up with music as a child and kind of how did you first get involved
1: Absolutely. Um, so I was one of those kids who used to just be listening to music all the time. My family was very, very involved with music. So, you know, my grandfather particularly was somebody who just loved listening to Indian music. So I grew up with a lot of classical Indian music in the house. Um, and then I just used to sing along with everything that I heard. So because of that, you know, naturally, I was just, singing all day every day (laughs) um in the car in the shower whatever it was so my parents kind of got to the point where they were like okay this this girl is in need of some music lessons clearly (laughs) um so i started learning vocal lessons um from the time i was four years old and i ended up you know like becoming pretty much a indian classical vocal musician um for many many years and it's something that I still like practice and um, record regularly today Um, for a time I was like a touring classical artist as well, Um, but yeah I mean to me music has always just been magical it's just something that like takes you to another place and. has always captivated me and the kind of emotions and storytelling that you can have with that um and how everyone can can enjoy it you know so it was something that I was just very very deeply involved with for as long as I could remember Um, but yeah from there I kind of you know I I furthered my own musical interests because I think for me specifically it was like not just singing but it was okay I really want to understand what this thing is Um, So I ended up doing a much broader study of everything from like composition to production to, you know, um, wanting to see how music can be a part of storytelling with film. Um, And then like looking at music from so many different perspectives and cultures. So this all kind of became a part of my musical journey so far and brought me to where I am today.
0: And so speaking of music, uh, some of our astute astute uh listeners will notice at the top of the episode the music is a little bit different this time around uh hoping you could tell us kind of a little bit about what we just heard and what's going on there
1: oh man okay well <laughs> we wanted to make this amazing podcast first off knocking and pranav both of y'all are so cool to be doing this um And we, we had a great time just, you know, going through and finding a voice for the show. So we kind of, you know, put a little, little UCLA spice into um, some pretty cool beats and put everything together and and try to bring out a flair for the show. And that's kind of what you guys heard.
0: Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And we, we, we're probably gonna end up using it for, for the, rest of, the rest of the show. So thanks, thanks so much for, for the hard work you put into to make that
2: happen.
1: Well, thank you for thinking of us to do it. It was super fun.
2: <laughs> so in terms of kind of your background in music, mm-hmm. um, what kind of made you dive into ethnomusicology? Uh, you picked the major at UCLA, kind of, were there any other majors you had
1: in mind? All right, so this is, this is an interesting story. When I was applying to college, I kind of knew that, you know, music would always be a part of my life, but I was very unsure coming from an Indian background, you know, growing up, knowing that you're supposed to either be a scientist, engineer, or a doctor of some some kind, I definitely had like, you know, midlife crisis like way, way early Um, and I applied to some schools just as a music major um, and UCLA specifically as an ethno major Um, and some schools like for as like an undecided something science and other other schools as like a pre-med which as many times in my life as I've tried to be pre-med something has always pushed me back and said nope you're not doing that go to music so um, yeah, it, I mean, it was something that I kind of, I didn't particularly 100% know if I wanted to study in school, but I ended up getting in and um, I really loved everyone I met and just like the, the, the arts department and, um, you know, at that time, I think Al Bradley was um, the head of the Ethnomusicology and musicology department. Um, I'm not sure if he's still there, but um, yeah, like it was it was just such a cool orientation and and such a nice group of people that I was going to school with, which just so much to learn from every all my peers. So I was, I was really drawn to that. And um, you know, prior to that, actually, I had worked with the San Francisco World Music Festival for um, a number of years, and you know, um, went to uh, kind of create this youth orchestra of musicians from all traditions um, around the world. So we had like, you know, North and South India, China, um, different ensembles in China. Um, And then, you know, musicians from Tibet and Kyrgyzstan and like all these different countries come together to, you know, play music together that had never really been done before. Um, And so that really was the, I think the catalyst for me really getting into like, oh, wow, like there's just so much out there and so many perspectives that just are, not really um discussed or known or studied and so I really wanted to learn that and this was just the per- perfect place and program to do that
0: and so give us a little bit of a a taste of of what kind of your college coursework looked like maybe some of our listeners aren't as familiar what maybe they don't even know what ethnomusicology means and kind of what is the experience like for for a student.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, it's such an interesting curriculum because what we first did was you know, ethnomusicology, it's not just music of the world. It's also studying the cultures and the people that the music comes from. So, you know, first we kind of go region by region, um, where like the first two years, it's like, all right, let's just look at all the different regions and what kinds of music exist in these regions. What are the customs? What is the culture? Um, You know, which, what are the regional groups, everything like, kind of learning that. And then your second year, we kind of go more so into the actual systems and styles of music. Um, and, you know, like we start from say like the um, Far East Asia to, you know, coming like just a little, little, little all the way until you come, you come back to the Americas and we study everything from like native cultures to European folk and, um, you know, Middle Eastern stuff, styles. Um, so it's it's really, cool, and that we get to really um, go in depth into every single system of music that exists, and understand the basic components of it and just know how that works. Um, and then beyond that, you know, you guys kind of can like specialize if you'd like, Of you know, do you want to go more into performance or composition or be more on the research side of things. Um, and one of the, the greatest things about the UCLA program is that, you know, it, it, we, you're actually required to um, have performance um, components to no matter what you choose. So there's so many ensembles that you can go and actually learn lots of different styles of music So I you know when I was studying I, I did the Bulgarian choir for like two years I did um, the West African drumming ensemble um, and then like you know the Javanese gamelan ensemble as well. Um, so it's really cool you really get to like, you know, go through and learn and have hands-on experience like doing the music with very, very experienced musicians of those cultures um, as you go through your coursework. So yeah, it's super fun.
0: And so back, back to your time at UCLA, while you were kind of studying all of these different, you know, disparate types of music, you were also involved in Nea Zamana and the Avarthan Music Festival, serving as both the the captain and musical director for Nea Zamana at the cappella team, and uh, a founder and organizer for for the music festival. So tell us a little bit about kind of both of those experiences and maybe some of the similarities and differences between those.
1: Sure, Um, yeah, I mean, this is again, kind of drawing on my background with Indian music. Um, Nazemana is great and uh, fun fact, Nakin was on our team. Woo-hoo. Um, he was awesome. He, he was on our team our third year where we placed second at our big cappella competition. So we're very happy to have him. Um, we Yeah, that was fun because we just got to take a lot of really popular Bollywood songs and just fuse them with a lot of great like Indian melodies with Western arrangements. Um, We also got to, and I think that that was very different from Avarathan because Avarathan was a classical Indian music festival. So we had people come in and you know, um, who were well-versed in Indian classical music and young and performing very well um, to come and do a showcase every year. So those were two different things that I like to, I'm someone who likes to get involved in things and bring people together when I can. So um, yeah, my little way of doing that.
0: And uh, for our listeners that are interested, there are uh, videos of Nea Zamanda performing, and you can see some of Gayatri's incredible singing if you haven't already heard it. And I highly recommend it. So check that, make sure to check that out.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and so during your time at, at UCLA, you also had an opportunity to, you ended up meeting A.R. Rahman, and you had an opportunity to, to work with him. And I guess I'm going to do a little education here for our listeners who are maybe not familiar. A.R. Rahman is an uh, Indian composer, singer, and songwriter who spent you know, many years working on some of the most popular musical scores for Bollywood, so Indian movies. He also ended up winning Academy Awards in 2009 for J. Ho, which was in the movie Slumdog Millionaire. And I think he was nominated as well for his work on 127 Hours, which is the James Franco movie. Um, so how, how, now that everyone is caught up to speed on how famous A.R. Rahman is, tell us a little bit about kind of that experience and how that happened.
1: Okay, well, that was actually, this is a fun story. So. Through Aberdeen, um I had one of my great professors, um, Professor Daniel Newman, who was a part of the ethnomusicology department at UCLA. Um, you know, who was highly involved in you know helping us kind of run the festival and keep it going for a number of years. Um, he kind of you know, okay, he ended up meeting. He had a, I think, a cardiologist friend who was friends with AR's dentist. And um, they all they were having this, I guess, like this get together or party with like all these doctors and AR happened to meet my professor. Um, (laughs) Had this not happened, I would never have met any of them. So (laughs) let me just throw that out there. Life is very interesting. but yeah, so I ended up kind of, you know, after my professor connected with, with AR, he kind of was like, okay, well, you know, there's this the girl who goes to UCLA, and she organizes a lot of things with Indian music, would you like to, he invited us, invited him to our festival, and then, um, and then yeah, after that, I just ended up, you know, kind of reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I'm interested in film composition and scoring, and I would love to just get my teeth into you know, doing so, especially with him, he's always been one of my biggest composer idols. Um, He is someone who does exactly what I'm most passionate about, which is, you know, like bringing together musical styles from around the world and putting them into a mainstream context. Um, So I just asked if it would be all right to kind of like, see if I could meet him and speak to him to see if I could, you know, maybe be an intern or something. And so I ended up meeting AR, you know, he said yes. And he said, okay, come over. And so I, I go over there and it was like such an interesting meeting because he was, you know, he'd asked me a few questions. Okay, you sing, you learned vocal music from Ali Akbar Khan, oh great. You know, he's, he's a solid Indian music teacher, awesome. How are things going with that? You know, I said a few things and then he just asked me very straight up. He's like, okay, so what do you want? And I just, I was like, okay, well, I would love to do what you're doing someday. And he's like, okay, so you're going to sing for me or what? And I sang a song. And then he's like, all right, tomorrow 9am come back. <laughs> so that's how that happened.
0: And so detail some of the, the work you, you kind of got to do with, with AR Roman. What was the experience like actually working with him after that impromptu interview and performance got you, got you <laughs> invited to the next day?
1: Absolutely. Well, um, I will say this. There are a few people that you can really say this about, and he is one of the few people I would say is a true creative genius. I mean, he is somebody who, like, he follows his ideas, you know, and he has phenomenal ideas that you and I would not just ordinarily sit around thinking about. Um, I think that's due to, in part, due to just his ethic in terms of, like, how much he honors his creativity and that's a big thing of what I kind of took away learning from him um, and giving yourself like really the time to let yourself like understand your thoughts that's that's like a big part of you know I think what enables him to be just so highly creative all the time um, but yeah I mean it was great because he would kind of work and have like songs that he would either throw me into to sing on at first and then he tried to kind of like see where it it was I could kind of use my existing skills um, to help whatever projects were going on. I ended up starting out um, working on a few Disney and DreamWorks films that he was on at the time. So Million Dollar Arm, I ended up singing on that, 100 Foot Journey, Pele. And then after that, you know, like I just ended up spending quite a lot of time with everyone at the studio that I started picking up more and more production skills and you know some years later. um, You know I did, I kept singing with him like we did do a live show you know in San Francisco where he was performing with Carlos Santana and like all this cool stuff. Um, But yeah like I my interest really like I just wanted to go in and really learn everything that I could. and that's just always been my focus when it when it came to working with them. So I just learned everything that I could production wise, um, and it was great because you know sometimes it would be it would be such a cool lesson because he would have songs. You know, I remember one of my first assignments was on this film called Highway, um, and it was directed by M. Diaz Ali. You guys should all see it if you haven't seen it. It's really really good, um, kind of older film now, but worth a watch. Um, And it, we had a song that just, it was supposed to be like the main lullaby of the song. And something about the melody just wasn't catchy enough. It wasn't a hook. And so we were listening through this, you know, AR skypes with Imtia's and he's like, hmm, something's not going on here. And like, they're going through the whole song. And he picks literally just this like, like two and a half bar phrase. And he's like, this, this is gonna be our hook okay, Gaither, you take this, go in the other room, sing everything and give me like 10 options off of this line and come back and then comp it for me. And that's basically at that point, what I sang that became the hook. And we used that structure for the rest of the song. And that's what you'll hear. It's a song called Suhasaha, And it's the main, um, lullaby song of that film. So that's how that came to be. So that was fun.
2: <laughs> I'd be curious, uh, you talked about it a little bit, but, um, Are there any specific routines you practice um, on a daily basis or you've adopted to foster creativity?
1: Absolutely. Um, Meditation. That's my big one. I mean, I know it's a boring answer, but it's the most effective one. I every single morning, I make sure that I meditate anywhere from like 20 minutes to an hour just to make sure that, you know, I'm starting my day off with just a clean head you know, there's so many things that when you start off your day, you're, you think that you have to do. And then when you really sit down and ask yourself, what's really important, you're like, okay, I do not need to do worry about that. I don't need to stress about this. And that's the biggest thing. I think like, you know, I, I never think of myself as somebody who's actively making things. Like if I'm trying to make something, I'm in my own way and I need to get out of my own way. So that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, Whenever I feel like anything's too effortful, I have to step back and ask myself where I am getting in the way of something that's trying to come through. Um, it's it's I mean it's one of those things, right? Like it's nothing that you're doing. It's just you need to be the biggest antenna you can be to allow um, what's what the creation is to come out. And um, yeah, anything you can do to kind of clear your head, whether it's meditation, exercise, you know, just live a healthy and and open life, I'd say, and like clean your mind, do that, live with your heart.
2: So was the, uh, the seed to start your own company something that was spontaneous that came out of a meditation session?
1: This came out of something better than a meditation session. This came out of a studio break when we were just completely exhausted one day. I forget what we were working on, but it was one of those, man, I think like midnight chai sessions that we would have when we were just at the studio until God knows when. Like, you know, oh, that's another thing. We would just be at the studio working around the clock. There's no, there's no time limit on when creativity strikes, right? So um yeah, and and we were just kind of taking a break between some mixes and some comping. And then we were like, okay, let's go take a take a chai break and then came up with this idea because we just had so many amazing, um, talented composers, producers and engineers that we were working with with our team for for these really big movies. And we realized, you know, it's not only do we have so much talent in our midst, but we we had a very special skill set that I think Hollywood has not yet seen. Um, And that we really know how to bring the musical styles of the world into mainstream music without losing authenticity from the cultures that we're drawing from, but also while keeping things really fresh and relevant to the people who listen to music makers and listeners of today. Um, And so we really wanted to kind of bring that to the larger industry. And that's kind of how our company was born. And we couldn't think of a better name, so we left the name as Chai Time Studios. (laughs)
0: And so tell us a little bit about some of the, the projects that you can tell us about that Chai time Studios has, has worked on.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, so far, we've been pretty fortunate. We've gotten to do quite a number of international films. Um, you know, you can watch some of them. So one of our amazing composers, Ishan, has composed the scores to um, his Singh, Born to Run, which is out on Netflix. Um, also, let's see, I'm trying to think of, oh man, there's so many. Um, most recently, so there was one that he did called Omerta, which was like um, played in a lot of film festivals and won quite a few awards and was aired at TIFF and everything. Um, some of the most recent stuff. So right now we're actually working for a pretty big t- TV show for Disney um so we're working on orchestrations for um the Disney TV show Mira Royal Detective so that we're kind of like season two onwards listen out for that because that's you know that's what we're we're working day and night on right now (laughs) um and it will be super cool I think it's going to air pretty early on next spring so that's one of them um yeah and other than that like quite a few little things here and there um you know around the world that are still up and coming so stay tuned and keep up with us and you'll see all all about everything
0: and for for those listeners that are not familiar i want to say and correct me if i'm wrong here guy three i want to say Mira royal detective is an animated kids show but it's got voices of like who's who of successful indian actors in hollywood
1: yes exactly yeah and um yeah it's it's really really cool i mean it's definitely the music the artwork the animation my god it's so good it is just so cool because they i mean the team on this project is so detailed about every single everything from the drawings to the sounds to the landscape and and getting things um really authentically so it's it's very cool to see and it, and it's just a fun kids show so i would recommend checking it out um for those of those listeners who are not particularly in that age um we will have more stuff coming out so stay tuned <laughs> um yeah and we do we do work with like mainstream artists as well so if you um if you're part of the dj artist um electronic Music artist Kashmir, he's another one of our clients that we collaborate with frequently as well.
0: And so what would you say is one of your your favorite experiences working as that session singer?
1: Oh, man. Oh, there's so many. Um, everything oh man because it's that's just that's so hard to say I feel like okay I can give you guys a, a sneak peek to some of these experiences so like one of the sessions I got to do was um this amazing live choir background vocal session for Camila Cabello and this was after or right before I think her release of her latest album Romance I don't know if it's like the newest one now but um Yeah, and she's such an insanely talented performer. She's just got so much charisma and yes, she sings all of that live. So um, yeah, no, it was great working with her. She's so sweet, super down to earth. And um, the arrangements on that were really great. Speaking of arrangements, Justin, his team and arrangement skills and everything, the way that they've put together their songs, that was really cool to learn from and just like the conceptual creativity because we that whole music video for the song say something um this was the one where we shot that entire music video in one take so the camera just goes through the whole building and we've shut down basically the the rat um the bradbury building in la for like a whole day to, to film this and we had basically one shot to get it right so we were singing all of that live and then the camera had to like you know the whole building was live miked and um wired so that you could just like have all the singers singing live on every single floor and you know from up and down the entire building you know you would get basically the whole recording and that was that's that's what's on the music video so it's like our real live voices and takes um and then of course there's billy eilish and the grammys and Phineas. man they were awesome and they just were so great like i mean with like the spe- specificity of just like what they want from their vocals is just that's what makes her voice her voice which is so cool and like being asked to do that and make sure that the whole choir could do that and sound like that was such a challenge, but very fun. Um, So yeah, I think like every session is so different. And of course there was like Lion King, which is like, you get to sing in, in Kosa and like do in Zulu and like all these cool dialects and really learn how to do that. So that was another memorable, memorable moment. there's been many, those are probably the ones that stand out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like an incredible, incredible experiences with, Kind of a diverse set of artists, so.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So one of the things I kind of wanted to, to get your take on was if you think that the internet and the prominence of social media, specifically YouTube and, and now TikTok, are really democratizing kind of the success of an artist, or do you think the best music is not always kind of rising to the top? So kind of your thoughts on, on how that's changed.
1: Well, I think the, both of those things are true. It's definitely democratizing, you know, making sure everyone has a place to express themselves and do so creatively, which I think is great. Um, I think that, you know, it definitely is harder because there's so everyone's just speaking that no one's listening. Um, <laughs> that's kind of definitely something that we're seeing a lot. But that being said, I think that like, you know, there's always gonna be a difference between people who are just doing their creativity and expressing themselves for fun, and those who are doing so, you know, really, really well. And um what I mean by well is I just mean like with that intensity or that with that like meticulousness and um, you know, at the end of the day though, I would I will say like, you know i, I i'm I'm all for it. I think that the more people, the more you do it, the more you get better. So it's kind of like if you have something that emotionally touches someone, hey, more power to you, you don't have to be perfect. like, you've touched someone's heart, you're doing music well. So, you know, keep going. And like, it doesn't really, it's not, it's not like, you know, the biggest thing in the world. I do, I do hope that we do learn to listen as much as we speak though, that would be nice. Then we would actually hear a lot of these amazing artists that, you know, because there is a lot of talent and creativity that is super top-notch from around the world. Um, So I think it also gives rise to that, to being able to like bring in all those voices into the industry too. Because now we know who they
0: are. And so speaking of kind of talent around the world, in the last maybe five years, there's really been an ascension of both two distinct styles of music that have kind of made it into mainstream America. One is K-pop, right? Korean pop music with BTS and Blackpink. And the other would be kind of um, a Spanish, I would say almost reggaeton, with the, the equivalents of a Bad Bunny, Jay Balvin, you know, Cardi B is singing in Spanish, Carol G, right? And so there are those artists have all been able to, you know, been really successful in their own respective countries, but they're also charting music now in the United States. Kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on how you see, how is that possible and, and your thoughts on kind of this diverse group of individuals from different places kind of bringing their culture to America.
1: That's a great question. Um, That is a question I'm currently studying myself to know more about as well. But I think it's off the top of my head, I think it's great. I think that's a great sign and um, gives us a really great outlook for the future because I think that we'll see more and more of that. I mean, you know, our demographics are changing. The world is definitely getting more global and we all listen to the same thing around the world. And everybody wants to be recognized, you know, everyone wants to be seen. And I think it's super important that that there is that kind of diversity. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's musically speaking, it's like finding ways to kind of take what our global culture is, because I think there are certain mainstream um, musical styles or, you know, cultural things that we all kind of share as pop culture and Adding a little bit of cultural flavor to that, and that those those the people who are doing that generally tend to do, you know, really well in the pop world. I'm noticing, um, and I mean it is at the end of the day, like there's nothing wrong with that. It is pop. No one's trying to listen to like, you know, um, I don't know, classical music when you're listening to pop. So it's important to keep the integrity of pop, and and you know, then bring in the cultural um, elements of music. As, as needed or as appropriate, right? So it's, again, a very challenging question of finding the right blends to things. Um, so, you know, it's really just like cooking up the right recipe. And I think that the first two industries that have done that really well, as you said, um, have so far been K-pop and um, Latin American music styles. So I'm, I'm excited. I think there's a lot that can still be brought out um, from so many more corners of the world and something, something I'm working on see how we can do it.
0: Where do you hope your career takes you? Do you want to end up more continuing the, the production work? Do you want to get in, in front of the, I guess, not in front of the camera, in front of the mic and, and, and a live performance kind of as your own artist? Maybe, maybe that's a more fair question.
1: Hmm. I think as of now, both those things are on the plan. Um, and I mean, I do have a lot of original music in the works as well as, you know, soundtrack projects um score projects they're just kind of two different sides of like my musical brain I get to use I guess so um yeah it's it's very hard to choose It's this is something I've been like trying to understand myself for a while because I also run a company and so I'm like okay how does all this stuff fit together because it's a lot to do but I think you know it's it's funny the more I kind of let go of things it kind of reveals itself because a lot of these things um you know they're kind of interrelated and the time comes and like you just know it's time for a certain project at a certain time and that's just what you do and I feel like naturally all three things will take care of themselves but yeah that's kind of that's kind of like my um, my plan I guess as of now to keep going with chai time to keep going with uh, all my performance and singing as well as composition
2: And I guess you just mentioned kind of running your own company. Is is it kind of almost like a left brain, right brain for kind of having that creativity, but also kind of stressing your your business acumen a little bit? Um, And maybe how has it been managing a company uh, that's been largely remote uh, pre-pandemic?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. So we've actually, yeah, as you said, have been remote pretty much since we started. Um, Thankfully, because of all the technology and social media and everything that we have today, um, we're able to work with artists and producers from all sorts of different corners of the world. Like at this point, we've worked with musicians from Brazil, from you know Punjab, from like um, now even Mexico. You know, like it, we can record anyone from anywhere, and because everybody can just kind of work from home, um, at least musically speaking, um, we just have been able to authentically bring all of these diverse musicians, you know, into our projects as we need them. Um, And yeah, it's been really great because it's actually set us up really nicely. Like we did not have to shut down or anything because of the pandemic. Everyone was already set up to work from home. Um, Our team is international. So like some of our producers are in LA, some are in India, some travel, you know, from like Canada and Europe as well. So like, depending on where people are, we'll kind of like optimize to the time zones and um, make sure that we have like a 24-hour production line. Um, So that's just, you know, there are a lot of things that we are able to do better (laughs) because we are so diverse and remote. Um, So, so far it's been all right. I think the biggest thing that we're noticing industry-wise though, like, you know, we're very fortunate in that a lot of our work right now is animation. It's like, you know, these kinds of projects that didn't necessarily have to completely stop but many of the live of course the live productions did have to shut down and we did notice like that as well as sessions like sessions are really hard now I mean I'm missing with singing with people and being in the studio with people so um yeah those are kind of like the areas where we're seeing just like a really big hit you know um business-wise and yeah same and to answer the first part of your question um definitely two sides of the brain um but I find you know like because I'm such a creatively oriented person Um, I tend to think of a lot of my business problems from like creative angles as well sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's not such a good thing because you need to be more logical but um, definitely helps you when you're trying to find solutions that you just don't you know like wouldn't think of otherwise gives you like I'm just so used to thinking of like all right let's think of 20 things that could possibly work here try something you know so that that part I think there's a little overlap
0: and finally, our uh, last two questions that we like to ask all of our guests. What is your favorite UCLA memory and who is your favorite Bruin?
1: Ooh, oh man. Okay, well, favorite Bruin, John Williams. Wasn't he a Bruin? I think he was. Yeah. Yep. yep. He's definitely my favorite Bruin. Man, he's like such an inspiration. Um, and favorite UCLA memory. Oh man. Okay, let's see me think of a good one. Probably, I would say our midnight parking garage acapella practices, those, those, those are up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's particularly ones where, you know, we'd be pulling like these like all day practices before our competitions. Um, it was always such a fun, stressful, but very fun <laughs> time doing that was- with everyone.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you and I have maybe different definitions of the word fun because uh, it's not exactly <laughs> how I remember it always, but the performances were fun and Perform- placing is always fun at a competition. So
1: Yeah, that's true. I think I think we were we were more authoritarian than we care to admit, <laughs>
0: And and it came with great success though. So, you know, the results <laughs> the results speak for themselves.
1: Oh God, let's let's not make this a, a commercial for autocracy. No, I'm not for that. <laughs> Especially
0: now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Brewin One Ear and Out the Other. But before we let you go, feel free to give us a 30-second plug for something going on in your life right now.
1: Okay. Um, let's see, let's see. Well, I am very much looking forward to spending Thanksgiving with my grandma. I know this is not like a big life plug or anything, but I am very grateful for everyone in my life to and hope everyone stays healthy. But um yeah, my grandma and uncle kind of like moved pretty close to our house and it's nice that they're here because We actually get to do that in the middle of COVID. So I'm very grateful for that. I hope everyone finds something that they are grateful for in this crazy, crazy time and everyone's staying safe.
0: Awesome. Perfect way to to end an episode.